In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast luchador is the one and only... Oh yeah, it's Travis Ratz. (laughs) Travis Ratz on the ones and twos on the podcast today. Uh, Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. Like I said, uh, we are a podcast and we love comic books. We talk about comics, uh, usually a graphic novel or a trade. Uh, This is one of those glorious episodes, ladies and gentlemen. You're on a comic book club episode. We are going to discuss today... Uh, Andre the Giant, Life and Legend by Box Brown. Uh, This is put out by uh, First Second Publishing. Uh, Box Brown is uh, an indie cartoonist, indie comic book creator. Uh, So we're going to discuss that book today. And Travis, we have an esteemed guest on the show today. I got to tell you something, Josh. From up here in the booth, things are looking really good. I've been looking forward to this podcast for a long time. How are things looking down by the ring out there? Th- things are looking good down by the ring. Uh, I've, got, I've got the guest with me down here, uh, down by the mats, uh, the squared circle, if you will. <laughs> my, our guest today is one of my childhood friends uh, that I have not seen probably in uh, 15 years. Since, since shortly after we graduated high school, I'm sure, because uh, we both ran away Separate separate journeys, I think, and so uh, wait. It's been way more than fifteen yeah, you're years right. since you graduated high school. Well, I know you're trying to. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, we like we saw each other at some point after high mm. school. So I'm my guess fifteen. Did you guys have a high school reunion? Reunion? Uh, we do, but I I'd have to go all the way back to Michigan, and okay. I can't. I don't do that. Guess is, I guess your guess just isn't worth it, huh? Uh, well, now you made me feel bad. Mm-hmm. All right, so our guest today on the program is uh, my good buddy, my friend from back in the way back, Brett Wolverton. Brett, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. <laughs> uh, Brett and I go way back. In fact, the reason why I, pe- I picked Brett for, for this show is because uh, when we were kids, all of my wrestling watching and know-how came a lot out of Brett's house. Like, uh, Brett had the best house ever. Uh, he lived He lived in town. He had a basement. And we would all go to his house. And the basement was like, no parents came down there. And we just do... So it was like that 70s show. Yeah. Basically, and, huh? and we just, like, played with Ghostbusters and watched wrestling and all sorts of stupid stuff. I thought you were going to be like, it's great. He had indoor plumbing. <laughs> he had... His mom had drapes on the windows. Our, our hometown wasn't that small. Yeah. It was it close. Was, it was pretty small. We didn't have a water tower, so... <laughs> oh, we do now. There is a water tower. There's a water we tower. We got water. We got water. Monorail. 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 <laughs> so, Brett... Um, I, the other reason I brought you on the show is because you are my my wrestling friend. You're you're the guy who knows wrestling. So can you tell can you tell the guests uh, or you can tell the audience listening today what is your connection to the wrestling world? All right. Well, for 25 years I've been a fan of professional wrestling, and for the last 13 years I've been involved in professional wrestling. I started off as shooting video, which went along with my Monday through Friday job working in news and then became a timekeeper where I was the one that rang the bell for the matches. And then it moved into what was ultimately my dream being a ring announcer for wrestling shows. 
which is which is so rad. So what what I mean, you're on the independent scene. What what uh, wrestling promotions do you do you uh, do your ring announcing for? Uh, at one point, I would announce for anybody that called me. I'm a little <laughs> bit more, a little older, a little wiser now, and a little bit more selective about what I do. Okay. Um, my primary promotions are Russell Force out of Columbia, South Carolina, Old School Championship Wrestling out of Hanahan, South Carolina, near Charleston, Premier Wrestling Experience near Charlotte, and then there are a few others that run near the Greenville, South Carolina area where I'm from that come and go here and there a little less uh, less often than the others. So what I've learned is there's way more independent wrestling just from you in this one little blurb than I thought there would be. <laughs> just just in one, just in South Carolina, there's all those different things. I wondered who was supporting Trump. And now <laughs> I know. Now I, now I get it. I get it. It makes sense now. I was like, where are all these boats coming from? But then I realized there's 15 like amateur wrestling. <laughs> no, my, my I'm interested about this the ring announcer because I stopped watching wrestling about 16 years ago. But before that, from the 80s to the 90s, I was a fanatic. Back when it was WWF, and mm-hmm. Jerry the King Lawler just tickled me pink as a kid. Like I loved him. I loved his commentary. I loved how he played the bad guy. So uh, in ring announcing, what is something that the lay person might not know? Or even someone who's a casual fan of wrestling, what might they not know about the ring announcer and, their jo- and that person's job? Um, we are basically the ringmaster of a one-ring circus. You know, it's, <laughs> we, we, are, we are the first person that the fans see. So we're, they know when I walk through the curtain, the show's about to begin and it's time to have fun. Um. I'm not always the most liked person. I, I, I have I have a spiel that I do at the beginning of a show, encouraging the fans to cheer for whoever they like, boo for whoever they don't like, and that's usually when I get booed. <laughs> I go, all right, we're going to start early. <laughs> Those are the ones I know I'm going to have the most fun with, because in between the matches, that's my time to interact with the crowd, and you know they'll say something to me and I can ad lib and fire something back at them. Oh, so, so it, I, it's, it's I, truly, I can only hope that I'm a, something that they remember when they leave. So you're a performer. Like this is a performance piece as well oh, as not just like announcing the guys coming in. Like you, also, you are doing the Jerry King Lawler where you're, you're, you're very much the hype man getting them in. Exactly. But I also know when to rein it in and let the wrestlers be the focus. You also do commentary, don't you? Yes. I yeah. do play-by-play. Um, I was the color commentator, lead commentator for Anarchy Wrestling out of Cornelia, Georgia for four years. So you were, you were uh, let's see, um, is it, oh man, what, JB? You were... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have been the Jim Ross. I would have been the Michael Cole. Um you want to go further back? I was probably the Gorilla Monsoon, even though I was more Bobby Heenan. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hilarious. So you've got this sort of background steeped in uh, in wrestling, like knowledge and, and being involved in it. And that's really the reason I picked you to do Andre the Giant uh, and talk about this with us. Because I like as someone who um, recently got back into watching wrestling. As kind of like a casual fan, my my, uh, my five and a half year old loves it, and so we watch uh, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, 
and NXT religiously at our house. Dude, I hate to tell you this, but you're not a casual fan anymore. <laughs> you're watching three wrestling yeah, shows you're, you're, a week. You're seeing more programming a week than I am now, and I yeah. have friends that wrestled out at NXT. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and, and that's right. You posted – you had two uh, – who are your friends who wrestle on NXT? It's um, – John Schuyler and Corey Hollis have been featured. Corey Hollis just wrestled Braun Strowman on Raw Monday that's night. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I saw that. Uh, and uh, another good friend of mine, Dash Wilder, is one half of the tag team. That's right. That's right. From Wilder. That's right. I remember that. Dash Wilder. I, I saw that match against Braun Strowman, and I don't know why anybody would get in the ring with that dude. Uh, he, he reminds me, like, he's big. Like, Andre the Giant is big, and this just kind of hulking mask of a person and I don't know why you'd do that. <laughs> well, like he said on the thing, they're giving me a thousand dollars. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, but five thousand uh, if I win. There you go. <laughs> we have a we have a question we always ask the guests on the show, and I didn't I didn't tell you this question beforehand. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Travis ask you this question, uh, and then we'll then we'll go get into the book after you answer it. You know, uh, All right. Brent, I think that um, wrestling, the world of wrestling and comics. Uh, overlap quite a bit as far as maybe the personalities or, or at least the fans that are watching them. So uh, up to this point, what has been your exposure to comics? If you had to go back to your first exposure, if you've had any, what was it? I wasn't a big comic book fan, but I was a fan growing up of things that had comics related to them. Um, I remember, you know, Josh and I were both fans of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I remember them doing some comic stuff. I remember uh, we were big into Nintendo Power, always had comics involved in there. Oh, Nintendo Power. Did you ever get that, Travis? No, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't get that. <laughs> Nintendo Power. They actually, the, the I just Magazine. saw it on Facebook this week. Almost all of the issues are available online now. Wow, I want to go back and read some old Nintendo Power Oh, magazines. so it was just like a... a um, like wizard for Nintendo. Yeah, it was like okay. what games? That's all you have to say, buddy. You had to put it in comic book terms for me to know it. I don't know video games. <laughs> so yeah, th- that was my main thing. Is if it was related to something else that I was a fan of. There wasn't like I wasn't a, a Superman guy. I wasn't a Spider Man guy. Have you ever sat down and just like uh, read single issues of comics ever? Uh, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. I actually own six issues of. A WCW comic that came out in '91. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and that was because I was going through a phase where if it was wrestling, I had to have it. So, who is in this WCW comic from 1991? Oh gosh, <laughs> from what was the year? What was the year? 1991. Oh, early 1992. Sting? <laughs> was Sting in it? Yes, Sting, Cactus Jack, Ray Mysterio, Rick Rude, Steve Austin. No, Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio was still. Oh gosh, four years away. There you go. He was just Ray. He wasn't very mysterious that morning. He wasn't mysterious. It was just like Ray normal. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Ray average. Um, Yes. So, Brett, uh, I picked you for this book. I just, like, first impression, uh, as someone who's in the wrestling world, how much have you read about Andre the Giant? Uh, There was a good chunk of the material in there I was familiar with or had at least heard urban legends about. You know, the the heavy drinking, which I've even seen stories recently, people talking about how accurate those stories were. And okay. they were all accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to think a dude that big has got to drink a lot. Right. It was always like barrels. Wasn't that the legend he would drink barrels of beer a day or something like that? It, it, it took a couple of bottles of vodka to get him buzzing. 
<laughs> and I can say I'm I'm a big guy too. I'm you know six foot and close to four hundred pounds, so it takes a lot to get me going too. So I can understand. I, I'm not a cheap drunk by any means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Brett, um, since this is probably like I mean you haven't read a ton of comic books in your life, but you know wrestling. Right. So what did you think, um, knowing a lot, and I know that you've read a bunch of books about wrestling. I know you have. Uh, <laughs> I have a bunch of books signed on wrestling. I'm, I have a bookshelf full of books that are on. In fact, I think I had another book on Andre the Giant. There you go. <laughs> so my question for you is, how does this medium, the, the comic book medium, stack up uh, to other books you've read in telling a story about Andre the Giant or telling the well, story of Andre the Giant? I, I think, you know, it was mentioned earlier, the wrestling and comics almost go hand in hand because we're, it's almost cartoonish in how over the top it can yeah. be sometimes. <laughs> and it, it was a perfect medium for his story because he was a larger than life character. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that too. And I, I um, it is like when you see the way it's drawn here, now we'll talk about the art later, but this isn't like they don't draw him like you would see, um, I don't know, what's a big like muscular superhero out there, like Josh? Cable? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's it's it, an interesting style to do Andre in because you think wrestlers, you think big, muscular, you think uh, there's a lot of room to play with what we typically see on. Uh, kids' bedroom walls if they're fans of comics. But let's get a step back here, um, and let's talk about like what this book is, first of all, okay. Josh. So this is uh, – it's by um, uh, Box, Box Brown. Brown. Yeah. And Box Brown, what he did is he – on the back of this book, there's a bunch of sources. There's like a bibliography that runs almost two pages long. It's pulled from old documentaries. It's pulled from books about Andre. DVDs. It's pulled from uh, DVDs. It's pulled from other wrestlers' uh, autobiographies. Uh, not a lot of first-hand accounts. Maybe a few first-hand accounts. Uh, so what um, uh, Box Brown has done, he's really just done a, a shit ton of research <laughs> on Andre the Giant and decided what aspects of Andre the Giant's life He's going to depict in comic form. So I think it's interesting. When I, when I, when I read the preface and <clears throat> he talks, Box Brown talks a lot about it was difficult separa uh, separating the myth from the man, hence the life and legend, you know, yeah. uh, with Andre the Giant. So he had to be really careful about what sources he was pulling from. But it's interesting to see what aspects of Andre's life he really chose to focus on. Because uh, if it was me, it would be like 48 pages of Andre drinking beer. That's like always fascinated me. But I, I think, or gentlemen, let me ask you this. Uh, what aspect, let's start with, uh, Josh, we'll start with you on this okay. one. What aspect of Andre's life that Box Brown focuses it in on this book do you think is really interesting to you? If there's this like overarching loneliness a little bit that, that shines through it about uh, from him being a kid to his love life as an adult. And I mean, there's things are just kind of like touched on um, about what it's like to be over seven feet tall and be this big and how, how alone he seems throughout it, even though he has all these people who know him, all these wrestling friends, this, this, 
alone Andre, I thought was a really sort of uh, compelling and interesting sort of look at this guy's life, this really famous myth of a man, um, to see that aspect of him. Uh, so, so Brent, what well, did... I'm going to ask Brent first. Yeah. Brent, were you aware of that side of Andre's life before reading that, this book that I, Josh was talking I about? I had heard, you know, interviews and the like that just said when you're that tall, it's hard to go unnoticed. And I, I, I can understand that being a big guy, too. You walk in the room and people, especially in an elevator, they'll look at you weird. Right, then they'll start yeah. doing math in their head, and that's when you want to start jumping. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's even when you see like a basketball player or a professional football player against them. Like I'm five eight, one hundred and seventy pounds. Like I'm just like, oh wow, what? Who is that? But you, I, I actually to take it back, you almost go like, what is that? Because they almost look inhuman when you're used to when you're looking used to looking at average people who are like six foot and. Five to five eight to six foot. You're like, oh, okay. But when someone walks in, they're like seven feet tall. You're like, whoa, what is that? Instead of who is that? Like, what's what's going on here it, with that? Exactly. I, I had a class in college. There was a, a, a student in there who was well over seven foot tall, and obviously he got tired of hearing it because he came into class one day wearing a shirt that says, "No, I do not play basketball." Oh, that's hilarious. He just walked in. He's like, I don't play basketball. Don't ask me. Yep. I, I don't know what the weather's like up here. Just leave me alone. <laughs> he's like, it, was, it should have the, – the equivalent shirt would be like one that says I'm a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> or world's My worst jockey. My horse comes in last yeah. place every race. Worst <laughs> jockey. So um, what about you, Brent? What, I, I think I definitely agree with that. I think we're going to probably even talk more about that side of Andre's life. That was something that really stood out to me in this book is that loneliness aspect of it. It really humanized him as a person. Yeah. What about you, Brent? What did what aspect of, of Andre's life that Brown portrayed in here uh, intrigued you? I, I was fascinated by the stuff on the filming of The Princess Bride. I had heard very few details about that. But it was neat, you know, hearing how they love shaking his hand in the morning just because it dwarfed theirs. Yeah. Hello, Andre. Yeah. I'm going to shake your hand this morning. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I've done, I, I'm at the big show a few years ago in Toronto, and he shook my hand, and my hand disappeared. I'm going, I have a big hand. That, the big show's hands are like they look like melons yeah. on, the end of, on the end of a tree stump. <laughs> And I knew that when he was going through the filming of that, he had just had his back surgery and stuff that would go into WrestleMania. I had no idea that they had to lower sets so Robin Wright wouldn't fall as far. Mm -hmm. So it was easier for him to catch. But it made total sense. I I had never really known about that back injury going into WrestleMania. Like, this is stuff that I I didn't know about. Yeah. And I remember watching that match, and I... Speaking of that WrestleMania match, and I had watched it um, when I read this. I went back and rewatched it, and it is epic. There's just something huge about it, um, and it's from my childhood too. But there's this big sort of like wow sort of aspect to it. Well, it's interesting because Hulk Hogan, although he wasn't as big as Andre Giant, he's still a big guy. But next to Andre Giant, he doesn't look big. And to me, as a kid. Like Hulk Hogan was the bigger person in the ring at that time because I was you're just like Hulk Hogan is a god <laughs> and like the and it, he was a god because Andre allowed him to do that you know he he allowed him 
to have that moment. They talk about passing that torch. Right, and, and the doubt that Hogan had that he would actually do it because he had heard stories. Because that was the whole thing is if Andre didn't want something to happen, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, well, they talk about that idea that, you know, the moves are assisted and you, like, there was no way without Andre the Giant's help that that was going to happen. You know what yeah, I mean? There, there would have been no body slam. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, like... There's this thing, though, in watching wrestling again through my son's eyes, where, like, I know that dudes are jumping, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't. And there's just this sort of, like, wonder and amazement that that can happen. Uh, and, and And it makes me go... Oh yeah, that is like there's this really kind of like cool thing to see it through a kid's eyes again. Oh, that, that that's one of my favorite things too. And I just did it down at OSCW last weekend. I sat in the crowd during a couple of the matches, uh-huh. and I love being near people that are there for the first time. The skeptics that oh, it's that phony stuff you see on TV, and then a really big move happens. They go, "Whoa, that had to hurt." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and going back to the Princess Bride, as you picked as one of your uh, uh, intriguing aspects of that, I think that was a nice, because as a wrestling fan, I, I, um, well, I'll get to my favorite part in a second, but I I like that too, because that's an iconic role. Everyone does the the, the, the pilot. Everyone knows. Oh, absolutely. When you think of that movie, before anyone else, someone says Princess Bride, you think, you're not like Fred Savage or Mandy Patinkin even. (laughs) I mean, they're a huge part of it, but you think... Andre the Giant. Right, and, and that was the main reason I watched the movie in the first place is because it had the wrestling connection. Right. I love the fact that after he was so proud of his role, <laughs> he would just play the movie over and over again. The old ones are the good. The old ones are the good. And we do that in wrestling, too. We have a really good match. It's like, hey, come here and watch this match again. And I go, all right, I, I've seen it. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> So this really follows. I mean, this tale. You don't want to ask me my favorite part of the aspect of the book. I forgot. Travis. It's okay. I'm sorry. What's what's? Well, you <laughs> said you agreed with me. So I do. I do. Uh, what was what was your favorite? I, part? My, my favorite part was uh, my favorite aspect of this is uh, uh, the look behind the curtain at professional wrestling. Um, I knew some of the terms like heel and babyface, but I didn't know that's, that's about the extent, that, that was about the extent of my knowledge. Now, um, Brent, you probably know way deeper cuts than that than what this book gives out. This is probably doesn't I, I, even scratch I've, I've the surface. I've used some of those terms in just generic conversations, and as soon as I say it, I go, "Whoops!" No, right. didn't yeah, mean to use that yeah. there. Like it's like blow off, go over. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the business. If I have to take the blame for something, I usually say, well, I'll take the heat for that. <laughs> right, yeah. Or like the, so you hear terms like this, like a bump and all that stuff all the time in there about how like it's something that's actually going to hurt. Like you're going to take the bump. You're going to take the bump, yeah. Like it's really this – is, this is a move that's going to hurt, but it's going to look – Or like, like Mick Foley and you constantly only take bumps. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken a couple like that. It's not fun. I was going to say, you've even been you've been in the ring for a couple of those things before. I've been in a few battle royals. I've been in a couple of matches. And I've, awesome. as a manager, I've been knocked down by the guys I manage quite frequently. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> now, are you, are you like uh, – when, when you manage – are uh-huh. you a uh, – do you manage like The Undertaker or do you manage uh, like Brock Lesnar's guy? What's his name? Uh, Paul Heyman? Yeah, Paul Heyman. 
Um, <laughs> Do you put on a fake ponytail? Like- no, no fake ponytail. <laughs> although my hair has gotten longer lately, but that's one last ditch effort to try to have long hair before it thins out. <laughs> So Go maybe it, it is a Paul Heyman thing. <laughs> <laughs> you need to, you need to start looking at your hat selections. Be like, what kind of cool hat can I wear? As a uh, w- w- when they first told me I was going to start managing, I quit shaving. So you, you're going to have the, the facial hair because yeah. every bad guy's got to have facial hair. That's right. You uh, started the... started wearing sunglasses because <laughs> you know you don't want to see the public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you this: being actually in the ring when you when you've been pulled up and in the battle royals or in the ring, uh-huh. part of this book that Andre talks about, or one of the undertones in this in this book, is how much a wrestling match is teamwork and how much trust is involved. Now, when you get into that ring and you work with uh, at at that level, you're working at right now. Are you are you very concerned about your safety, or are you there are just having times a good time? That, absolutely, but most of the time that I've done physical things, it's been with people that I've been best friends with for ten years, and I know they're not going to do anything to intentionally hurt me, and I'm not going to do anything to intentionally hurt them. None of us ever want to hurt anybody. It happens. You know, I did a, a show here in Merrill where I'm visiting family this week and one of the guys that I brought up, we were in a battle Royal and he caught me with a forearm and just was a little bit tighter than he probably would have liked it to have been. And I'm like, okay, dude, I was going to pay you, you know, you're all right. You're going to get an envelope at the end of the night. <laughs> now do you, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, several scenes in here, uh, Brent, where they, they talk about, what it means to promote a wrestler and the ups and downs of promotions. Did any of that ring true with what you've observed as far as putting a wrestler through the ranks and, and trying to get him seen or there's that great scene in here where he talks about, you know, the, uh, uh, Vince, the Vince McMahon senior talks about how Mm. to promote Andre. So is any of this ring true for you from what you've seen? Yes, definitely. I've been on the promoting side of wrestling, too. I've done just about everything there is to do, aside from cleaning toilets at the buildings. Okay, yeah. um, I, you got to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we've done that where you bring in somebody new and you have an idea in your head. How are you going to get them or get a crowd behind them? And you have steps to get to that peak that you want them at. So a prime example of something that just happened, Brett, and I know I'm going to, Travis is going to have no idea what we're just talking, what we're talking about, but what just happened with Roman Reigns is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that was everybody, let, everybody's booing the heck out of Roman Reigns, right? <laughs> people don't like him. And then what do they do to get people to like him? They, they put the heavyweight title on him and hope for the best. <laughs> and then it doesn't work, right? It doesn't yeah, well, work. because he went and got himself suspended right after. Right? And so he comes back, and then they've got to find a way to get people to like him. And so they find someone that people hate more mm-hmm. and make him wrestle him. So they and go, everybody hates, the Rusev. everybody hates Rusev. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take this guy that nobody likes right now, and we're going to make him like the American champion against <laughs> – Against this guy, this this you know the Bulgarian brute, so people cheer him. And I, I watched it on I watched it Monday, uh, mm-hmm. and I was just like, they did it. 
As someone that everybody <laughs> they, hated, they, they found a way. <laughs> they all just like, and they do it over and over. He again, came over. out on. He came out uh, at literally for the last you know six months. Every time this guy comes out, everybody boos, always without fail. Uh, but this time he walks out, and like almost everybody cheers for him. And it's the context you put him in. And I thought that that was like the story about the story in here about WrestleMania and Hulk Hogan. Uh, like that brought me back to this, right? Like, how do you make Hulk Hogan huge? How do you make him important? Is you put him in a match with the biggest guy ever, and you and you let him beat him. And that was what the the thing was with Hogan during his run is you put him against all the monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrestled King Kong Bundy over four hundred pounds, One Man Gang over four hundred pounds, Kamala close to four hundred pounds, all these big guys, and then who was left but the biggest one there? Yeah. Right. And you also put a cross on his neck and an American flag on his back. That that helps too. <laughs> that does yeah. help. That does help. <laughs> you gotta have the right costume, man. You gotta have the right yeah. costume. Um and that's this that's kind of one of the cool things about this book that I found really interesting. It's kind of like someone who doesn't know a whole lot about what's going on in wrestling and didn't know a whole lot of behind the scenes information. And Travis, you mentioned this. Uh you'd said that this is one of the coolest parts was the that the anatomy of a wrestling match. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And that scene in there... I love this. It has page numbers, Josh. Yes, we yes. got page numbers. So, page <laughs> 73 uh, to, what am I going to say, 70, 79 is the anatomy of a match. And I love it. It's great. It was such a, a real match, match, too. Yeah. It's like, you could go back and, I don't know if it's a televised match, but... I believe it is. Yeah, so you, you, Travis, could go back and watch this match with this. I'm sure it's online. I guess it'd have to be if he's describing yeah, it. Yeah, he is watching it. <laughs> uh, so... Brett, how how true to form is this anatomy of a wrestling match? Is this what you know, or is this is what you see as a as a guy in the the wrestling biz? Oh, I, I, it's completely factual. I, I've seen it plenty of times, and that's I, I, I'm to a point now where I can tell when I'm watching a match when it's getting close to being done. And I know where where we're at in that roller coaster. You know, you're at the first hill, you're at the loop. Now you're slowing down. Now you're going to pick back up again because you've got another hill. So my, my question, now that you're – so sometimes this happens uh, as someone who loves, uh, like, superhero movies and loves comic books. Sometimes I can see the story before it happens, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's a real bummer when that happens. Sometimes it's cool to know before everybody else. But having been through this, is there a point where you're like, oh, yeah, I know how this is going to happen? Or or is it still uh, like fun it, it, for you? It, it happened to me at a house show one time. I was sitting there at ringside. I was with a friend of mine. This was in Saginaw, <laughs> and they had a match that was it was a 20-minute time limit. No, no, was, this was at the Civic Center. Oh, okay. This was a WWE show. Don't you patronize him, Josh? He said a house match. My <laughs> thought of a house match is like no, in someone's sorry. house. Sorry. So someone I, jumped that, off a house that, in the ring. Yeah. That, well, I'm sorry. That's another insider So what, term, is that, what does that term mean? Uh, a house show is a match or a show that isn't televised. Oh, okay, so. It's just a, a regular live event. Okay. And okay. anyway, the match was a best two out of three falls match with a 20-minute time limit. Okay. And I'm sitting where I can see the ring announcer from where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the match, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw their hand move. 
and I looked and I realized that the announcer was giving cues to the referee. Oh, it was the first time I'd ever caught it. And I looked over at my friend and I said, this one's going to a draw. She goes, how do you know that? I said, trust me. Sure enough, one minute remaining in the match, 30 seconds remaining in the match, 15, 10, 9, right to the finish. She goes, how in the hell did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of, like, how are, so are the the ring announcers or is the commentators, how, a hand gesture... Why would they have to give a hand gesture to the ref? I mean, like if you can, if you it's, can break the rules of wrestling and tell me, uh, on at a non televised event, okay, that's that's the way to let them know. You know, they're, they're we know ahead of time. You've got ten minutes out there. You've okay. got twelve minutes out there. The announcer is keeping track of the time, or somebody near him, usually the okay. one that rings the bell. That's why they call him the timekeeper. Yeah, <laughs> and. So they know, hey, it's it's time to go. We've got stuff to do. On television, it's a little different because you'll notice most of the referees have earpieces. Okay. And that's – they're getting instructions. Oh. So if you ever see a referee yelling at somebody for too long, they that's don't. probably them being told – where we're going next. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's pretty good enough. We learned. I gotta go back and watch those good matches. <laughs> oh, yeah, brother. No one gives me hand signals in my house. Ooh, I'm the cream of the crop. Tra- oh, Travis? don't worry. Some, sometimes they completely ignore the, the instructions, too. And <laughs> Travis on, has been on television, that'll get you in trouble. You know, Travis my, has been a. Okay, my level right, just gets everybody annoyed. <laughs> Travis has been obsessed with Macho Man. Uh, I don't know if it's because of this book, but recently he's been like obsessed with Macho Man. Yeah. So my favorite, my dad and I's favorite wrestler when I was growing up and watching as a kid was we loved Jake the Snake. But like in the uh. last like two months, I've been watching Macho Man like old uh, promotion videos, and when he used to be on an announcer sometimes on mm-hmm. WWF Superstars, Saturday right. Morning Superstars, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. he might be the greatest acting talent of this generation. <laughs> he, it's so amazing. Like he, he just is so high and so just, <laughs> just, just swings for the fences every time. And he's funny in a weird way. Like in a way that when I was younger, I did not appreciate. But now that I'm older, I would be just laughing and spit taking <laughs> a beer while watching this thing. Oh, I, I saw one where he was talking about going after the heavyweight title, and he goes, I've been to the top of the mountain, and I like the view. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've been to the top of the mountain, I like the view. (laughs) We're going to get into, uh, and I'm going to ask you guys your favorite wrestlers at the end of all time, but... Getting back to the book here, um, I, I this, this is the book I've been looking forward to t- for our summer of read. This is one of the ones I've been looking forward to talking about the most. And one of the ones that I had the most fun with. Um, it was just, it's a quick read. I was totally engrossed in it. And I love the aspects of Andre's life that um, Box Brown chooses to pick out. However... Where this is a uh, a critique show. If I did have one critique, it would be this. Um, The writing in here, um, there's not a lot to it. There's not a lot of flowery, flowery, flowery language. There's not a lot of um, in moments where we're talking about Andre's loneliness. He is really just Box Brown presenting Andre and tell and retelling the stories as they've been told to him. 
So it's almost like reading like almost like a large research paper with pictures at, at points. <laughs> and not in a bad way because that's like you get a lot. You couldn't – if you try to make it too narrative, you wouldn't be able to squeeze as much Andre info into this story. And I feel leaving this story that I read a really great report on Andre that picked some really fascinating points of his life and that had some great art in it. But at the same time, there were uh, moments where I thought the writing could sink a little bit more into like the emotion of the moment and try to capture that. Did you guys have any of that feeling? Or I, I did. I thought the ending was very abrupt. Yeah. I, and, and I was going to say, it almost, and I happen to have The Simpsons on in the background, which makes me remind, it almost reminded me when they killed off Poochie, where it's just like <laughs> he died on his way back home. <laughs> okay. Taking someone off screen, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I totally agree with you. There's this sort of like, um, we get to the end of his wrestling career, but there's no, for a book like this, shouldn't there be like some big epic thing about it, right? Like, like, like theme about Andre's life that comes through. Like, you have to find, there's no, I don't, I couldn't find a lesson in here other than. Like, the writer doesn't put a lesson on it. Box Brown doesn't put... He doesn't slap you over the face with a lesson or a theme to this book. He just presents, very succinctly, aspects of Andre's life. He doesn't sink into any moments and and try to manipulate the reader into feeling sympathy at certain points or... um, Because at certain points in this book, Andre's a real asshole. Yeah. He's like... (laughs) Especially towards the end, when we get about three-fourths of the way through, and... um, you get to see him be a real jerk to other wrestlers when he's when he's wrestling. Was it Jack? Um, he takes he got him into the, a fight with Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah, Blackjack and, Mulligan. He calls uh, someone like a racist. <laughs> yeah, it's just bad news. Brown. Yeah. Bad news. Brown. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it happens at about like around page one hundred. We start to see like, oh, Andre isn't the friendly giant twenty four seven. He is. He right. And there were a, a lot of wrestlers that had stories like that where Andre just didn't like them and didn't want to cooperate with them. Oh, so there's – yeah, so you've even heard more than the ones that were in this book. Yeah, I've heard Big John Studd had issues with him. I heard he had issues with Bam Bam Bigelow. I heard everyone had issues with Bam Bam Bigelow though. I heard that guy's an <laughs> asshole. You know what? I'll tell him to his face. <laughs> You're going to need a shovel and yeah. flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I totally agree with you, Brett. I, I think you're right. I think it does end really quickly um, without kind of talking about the bigger legacy of Andre the Giant, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that's missing. It, the life and legend, like, I'm surprised Box Brown didn't put more of, like, what's the lasting effect of Andre the Giant's presence in that's wrestling? That's a good point. Like, like why, why should, like... Why, why, why I... did you spend box brown? Why did you spend so much time researching? What did, what does it mean to you? Because whatever Andre meant to you, Brown, it probably means to a lot of people. And it might say in the preface, but I've been it's it's been a while since I read the preface. He does, he says it at the very end. He says, "For me, creating this book was a scholarly pursuit," and that that lends the idea exactly, exactly research what it is. paper. You're right. Um, he says, "You know, I loved him. People loved him. Uh, he he was you know." Uh, he was the best, um, but it doesn't. I'm it, I'm interested to see if Box Brown's other work is is scholarly as well. No, in, in he's, the, he's well, got 
he has some work that's um, he has some other wrestle comics, so he does some other wrestling indie comic stuff, uh, and then he's got a sci-fi one. That's okay. you know all of his arts in the same vein, uh, but um, it's this is his biography, but he doesn't have a whole lot of. There's not like he's not like a biographical comic book artist. You know? Right, it's not it's not his niche. No. It's like a niche thing. Yeah, but that would be my only. That would I don't even know if it's a critique because I like the book and if if it, if I. If they went and did it the other way, I might it might have taken away from the amount of information I get. But that was the only thing reading it. I remember reading the the, um, the writing and being like, "Oh, this is really straightforward." Yeah. Info, 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 info. And then every now and then, but you did get some really great jokes in the dialogue boxes of Andre. Yeah. Like the way he speaks. Now, um, uh, uh, Brent, when you you probably you know more about Andre than Josh and I do. <laughs> Is this the way they depict Andre, like actually speaking when he depicts him speaking? Uh, how he talks, uh, you know, what's what does he always say? It's not buddy, hey, it's, boss, a uh, boss, boss. Everybody is, was boss. Does it did it ring true from what you've heard about how Andre speaks, how he interacts with people, the way that Box Brown was writing the dialogue? Yes, I, I, I've heard so many wrestlers over the years for either refer to him as boss or he referred to everybody as boss which i find you know it's i know so many different names of so many different people that i've worked with real names nicknames everything where i just i finally stick to one that's why a lot of us call each other brother it's it's, it's the whole kogan thing it's you because it, you brother. just don't want to learn their name <laughs> it's just easier to call everybody brother that's what yeah. I do with students. I, I call everyone buddy. I, or Josh, Josh makes a mistake of – I to give Josh credit, we were at Comic-Con this year. And I've never seen a teacher do this. Uh, and it, like an old student – I don't know how many years ago he had him come up, come up, came up to Josh as a student is wont to do to their old teacher. And he's like, oh, Mr. Buckley, hey, how you doing? Like what's going on? And instead of just like being like, oh, hey, man, good to see you, man. Look at you. Like, oh, you got a lot bigger. He goes – Oh, he goes, oh, I'm sorry I remember you. I just don't remember your name. And I was just like, just ride that wave, buddy. Pick a, pick a buddy, pick a champ, pick a right. partner, and go with it. Yeah, I probably should have. I, I had somebody <laughs> no, come I up to me it. at my last show and do the same thing. Like, hey, you remember me? I blew up your Facebook asking questions. And I'm like, I do. I can't think of your name to save my life, <laughs> but I remember the conversation. So let me let me ask you, Brad. As someone who let's let's get into a little little bit of the art action here. As someone yep. who doesn't read uh, comic books, Brad, mm-hmm. uh, what did you think about? Is this what you expected when you picked it up and you didn't open it, unless you looked it up online first? What I was you... aware of it before I purchased okay, it. So I, were... I knew it was out there. I just so... had never seen it. So I'm curious, um, what did you think of the art? Was it what you expected from a comic book? And uh, did you like it? Did you like it? I was actually very impressed. Uh, there were a few pictures that they he had drawn that I had seen the actual photographs of. Mm-hmm. And they matched almost perfect. The one that I can think of was on uh, 190 when he's on the three-wheeler on his farm. Uh-huh. That was a, a real popular photo of him because that was where he spent his free time, and it looked just like I remembered the photo. <laughs> That's hilarious. See, this is the stuff I didn't know that these were like referenced. And, yeah, and there's also one because I remember when I was reading this, I looked up, I Google searched Andre the Giant, like young Andre the Giant, and they have when he's sitting on the plane, uh, you know, and you see him in the seat. That's yeah. like a photo reference one as well. That's hilarious. Um, um, so 
did you think, um, I mean, this isn't what I would consider normal mainstream comic book art. It's, it's pretty indie. Um, what, how, how do you think it went along with the story of Andre the Giant Brett? I thought it went well. It, you know, even the the drawings of some of the other wrestlers that are mentioned, I can look at them and immediately identify who it is. I love the drawing yeah. of Hulk Hogan. His Hulk Hogan is probably my <laughs> favorite great, thing yeah. he draws. <laughs> There's this like it's because no one has real shape. Like Box Brown doesn't draw anybody <laughs> with shape, so Hulk Hogan is just a head with no neck. <laughs> and even no like, hair. Even, yeah. like, even like their earthquake, like he nails earthquake in the most simplest way. <laughs> yeah, and, and just a, 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 the squiggling of the lines. Yeah, his Dusty Rhodes is pretty good too. I like his Dusty Rhodes in here. There's, there's, some, there's some really good stuff. Um, so Travis, what did you think of the art? You know, immediately when I opened it up, I thought Persepolis. Yeah. You know, that we, that we, we read um, uh, earlier last year. Uh, so I was like, okay, you know, I, I think uh, when new co- comic book readers, when they're used to seeing comics in the rack and they're used to the Spider-Mans, the Batmans, they open something like this for the first time and they're very wary of it. Uh, and it's something that we talked about before. A book like this, if you're in the, if you're in Barnes and Noble and you see it on the shelf and yeah. you pull it, you're like, oh, I love Andre. And you opened it up and were just to flip through it. It might not be something you'd pick up if you weren't a diehard Andre fan or had had experience reading comics because it does, it doesn't, it doesn't conform to what you think of as like a biography, nor does it conform to what probably mainstream thinks a comic could be. Yeah. Uh, but I've learned through this podcast, uh, and reading things that I'm not, um, necessarily gravitated to at first glance that these cart, I don't even know if I don't want to, cause we overuse the word cartoony, uh, um, it's a, it's really great, and it allows it allows Box Brown to do a lot of epic things with very simple lines, uh, and show a lot of great moments. And as Brett uh, said, it's he does a really good job with simple art, identifying characters and distinguishing who's who in this book. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I, th- I think. For me, this is a. This reminds me of uh, Sunday Comics, right? It's very, right. you know, it's very Charlie Brownish, or you know, very comic. Beetle strip. Bailey, yeah, Beetle <laughs> Bailey, uh, and I, I love this stuff. I love cartoons. I love cartooning. Uh, so I was super. I'm super stoked to whenever I get to read something like this. Uh, and what I really want to do, uh, Brett, some of the original art for this is is for sale. So, is it really? Yeah, Box Brown has it for sale up online where you can mm. buy a page of this. And so there's a couple pages in here. I'm pretty sure almost the entire Hulk Hogan fight, you can't get it. I think all those are sold. But there's still some really good ones where I'm like, I want that. I want that picture. <laughs> I want this very cartoony Hulk Hogan. Uh, what this, do these things go for? Uh, $100, $200, depending on... Is it like a full page? If it's a full page picture, they're a little more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's less distinguishable, if the scene yeah, is if it's not as interesting or whatever, yeah. well, um, where are they selling them on? Box Brown's website. So oh. if you just if you just Google like Box Brown, he's selling them, and you can get the original art for them. And I really want one. Like there's just <laughs> there's just something so cool and simple about it. 
uh, that I. It's a great piece. It's it great is piece any any one of these pages would be like a cool thing to have up. Like all the where he recreates the IWA posters, right? Like mm-hmm. the the wrestle posters, right? Um, or the wrestling magazines. Where we, there's like a page fifty six and fifty seven where he's uh, opening. It's like an IWA World Series book, uh, and so there's like a picture of him when he's monster. Rosimov, and you know, there's like his stats. You know, how tall is he, and, and all this stuff. And I thought those were those are like the coolest little things in here. Is when he throws back to stuff like that, um, and you get kind of like a weird look at this wrestling world. That reminded me. One of the things I didn't know about Andre is how much time he spent going back and forth from Japan yep. on those long flights where he couldn't pee because he couldn't fit into the. Uh, um, well, that was, that was the thing with Andre is because of his size and everything he never stayed in one area very long he i mean he was booked by vince mcmahon senior but he was sent out to the different promotions to do a couple weeks here a couple weeks there so he didn't get burned out and so and and they also talked about it uh vince mcmahon senior in here the the part in here where it talks about like you don't want people to get burned out on him you can't be up every night Every week, he's they, gonna, yeah. They wanted to keep him a monster, and there's a scene it makes in here, him bigger when you don't see him as long. Yeah, there's a scene in here with these these kids in the schoolyard. I'm always like, we saw the giant last. Oh night. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great and the one kid's like, I heard you ate a guy, right? Like, there's this <laughs> sort of like, if you keep him a mystery and you float him around all the place, he's larger. He's even larger. Right, than and he this is before is. the internet and like cable television, so you when Andre came to your town and to learn my new. Um, a slang, they do a house match. Um, you would, uh, that would be like something as a young boy or any young kid, you'd be like, that guy is, I've never seen him. It'd be like uh, the ninth wonder of the world or something like that. Yeah. Is that or is that China? I think he's, eight, he's the eighth wonder of the world. Andre was the eighth wonder, China was the ninth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and neither of them are with us anymore, so I guess we need a tenth. So let's, <laughs> let's talk, let's talk favorite panels. Let's talk favorite panels. Uh, Brett, let me let me ask you. Um, as as you went through this, I'm going to have you go first. I told okay. you really late to pick a favorite panel uh, because sometimes, didn't take me long. I figured it out. Sometimes I'm not very good at this job. Uh, so <laughs> why why don't you tell us the page number and then tell us what the panel is and why it's your favorite panel from the book? All right, it, 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 it's comical because it really has little to do with Andre. It was 218 top panel. The introduction of Andre appearing on the barber shop with Brutus Beefcake. Okay. Uh, there, there were two parts why I like that. One, it calls back to before WrestleMania three when they saw Beefcake walking by and started talking about how they weren't going to cooperate with Hogan. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is the fact that when I first started watching wrestling, that was one of the big interview segments because Brutus had just hurt his face in a parasailing accident. He wasn't wrestling. But it gave him something to do. <laughs> I love, I love how wonderful that picture of Brutus the Barber Beefcake is. Like, even even though like it's shapeless, you know exactly like it, who it is. It yeah. reminds yeah. me exactly who he is, and I remember that. I remember that show. I remember that part of the show. Ooh, most historic event I think would be the the Shawn Michaels Rockers Sweet Chin Music Kick. Bingo. Yeah, <laughs> where, where that coward Janetti jumped through the window to escape. <laughs> That's so insider We're such dorks, guys. <laughs> I never uh, denied it. I can't afford I can't afford to be into wrestling and comics, guys. 
I, I got to get laid. I, I pay I pay that. What is it? Nine ninety nine a month for the WWE. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they, they, oh, they get my nine ninety nine. Wow. That's like uh, Netflix prices. Well, here's what it is. Every month, you know how they can charge you that? Every month they do one of those big uh, – It, uh, it used to be a pay-per-view. Yeah, it's yeah. a pay-per-view. <laughs> and so instead of – you can do the pay-per-view price. You, you can pay, pay like 50 bucks for bucks, it. 50 bucks. Uh, but if you just pay ninety ninety a month, you get every single oh, one. Oh, that's way better. Yeah. And you can go back. This That's how I watched the, the match in here. Mm-hmm. You can go back and watch all these old matches. I made Renner go back and watch uh, old uh, um, Macho Man ones and old, <laughs> and old uh, I think Warrior. I think he would like the Bushwhackers. He probably would. I like the Legion of Doom. Legion I remember the Doom. Legion of Doom. The Nasty Boys. Oh, man. The All Nasty right. Boys are actually going to be on a show in Spartanburg, South Carolina next month. Wow. Someone's going to prop the Nasty Boys up <laughs> put them in the ring? Well, I don't know about that because they're wrestling. I'm sure they're going to wind up wrestling the Rock and Roll Express that are just as old as they are. Okay. <laughs> well, they can prop each other up. I, I shouldn't say I, I love Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. I've worked with them quite a bit over That's the hilarious. years. Um, uh, Josh, um, I I took your panel last uh, last uh, um, book club because I went okay. first, so I'm allow you go first. All right, let in me, case you pick the same panel again. I remember it, but now I, I didn't mark the page because I'm bad at my job. And uh, where's it at? I could go first, but it could be a risk for no, you. Go go first, man. Go first. <laughs> let me find it. I don't think it's the same one as yours. Uh, my favorite panel is actually on page 83. It's a real subtle panel that I just love for the top. It's a top left panel on page 83. And it's Andre standing at a bar. He's unbuttoned his shirt. He's got jeans on. And he's got cowboy boots. <laughs> That's your panel? That's my panel. <laughs> no way, man. Yes, was. I was like, I'm totally safe picking this panel. There's so many good panels in this book. And I love it because he's just standing there. He's got a look on his face like, uh, I am wasted and I'm just enjoying my own thoughts and I don't give a shit about anyone else <laughs> and the cowboy boots and just the I don't give a shit my shirt's open I love that panel and I love this scene of when the cops come in they're like well Nothing just let him drink yeah <laughs> uh, so now I'm gonna go to what I think was my <laughs> second you're right Travis I should have just I should have just taken it um Let's see where was it at? It was uh, at the. It's page one ninety nine. It's the first panel of the of the match between him and Hogan. This is one of the other ones that was on my. Uh, I will figure out which one I really want to do <laughs> when we do the show. So on one ninety nine, it's the top panel uh, with Hogan and um, and and Andre, and you see the flash bulbs, just like. You know, and the match itself was an epic example of magic of pro wrestling storytelling. And I think, like, as an adult watching wrestling, and you know that it's predetermined, and you know that, you know, it's like a soap opera. I mean, that's WWE is a soap opera. It is a soap opera. Um, That's probably my favorite part about watching it now is to see how they tell a story. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite part because. There's magic in it, and I think this that panel is great because um, it just it just reminds me of seeing that match. It's just a great like you've got Andre kind of looking down at Hulk, um, and I can in my head just see Hulk Hogan's face, like that shocked, weird, like mulleted face of his when he's trying to yeah. when he's fighting him and he can't he can't move him. Um, that's the stuff that I remember, and that I, that's one of my favorite panels. 
Um, so, Brett, this is what I want to ask you. As a guy, sure. before we get into we're going to talk who your favorite wrestler is at the end. Um, before we get into that, would you recommend – who would you recommend this to, Brett? I mean, you're not a comic book guy. Uh, right. But if you could hand this to somebody, it's now in your possession – and the best part about having comic books is borrowing, like letting your friends borrow them. So who would you hand Oh, trust this? me. We do that in wrestling all the time with <laughs> books and DVDs. So who would you hand this to? Who, who, who do you hand this to? Uh, this would probably go to my Don't buddy John this. Schuyler because I think he would enjoy it the most. All right. All right. So John, what is John Schuyler? What, who is John? He's your buddy, but who is he? John Schuyler is, uh, like I mentioned, uh, he's been on NXT a few times. Mm-hmm. He and Corey Hollis wrestled the Shining Stars, Primo and Epico, on their first Raw match. Okay. Oh, so he's in the biz, right? Yes, cool. he's, yeah. he's involved, um, is on the cusp of getting signed. I made a prediction last year that by SummerSlam this year, he would be under contract. Well, they I, have just, a couple, I have a couple of weeks to go. They so just pulled all hope. those guys up to, to WWE, man. So the NXT roster needs some... Need some people. Exactly. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Who would you recommend this to? I think for me, um, I would hand it to people who like biographies and just to kind of show them like, here is something. I don't I have a buddy who I, I've already let this borrow. Jeremy was on the show before. Right, yeah. And I let Jeremy borrow it because that match between Hogan and Andre the Giant is one of his favorite things in life. <laughs> so he remembers like they taped it and he remembers watching it over and over again wow. as a kid. Uh, so I let him borrow this, but I think anybody who's kind of interested in the biography aspect, this is a this shows you what the medium of comic books can do, and that and that era of and that idea of biography, and I think that's who I would give it to, or anybody who's a wrestling fan, you know, because mm-hmm. I think like we've said a couple times, comic books and wrestling are they're like peanut butter and jelly, man. They they should they should be together. Yeah, yeah. So who would you who would you hand it off? To you I'm guys? very much similar to you, Josh. I would say uh, broaden it to not just biographies. I think anyone who was born in the '80s or was around <laughs> conscious in the '80s when Andre was a pop culture figure, uh, no matter how young or old you were, I mean, this was an iconic figure growing up. And one of the things that I I, I found with I've been watching that OJ Thirty for Thirty. Yeah. And that was happening when I was a kid, like 10, 11, 12, um, uh, around there. And I don't remember paying that much attention to it, but now I'm fascinated by it. Uh-huh. So I think it's – I'm in a real stage where I like to go back and pull out figures in my history, yeah. pop culture figures, no matter who they are, from what genre, and just dig into them. Yeah, I want to know – who was affecting pop culture when I was growing up. And I want to get to the real person they are. I think this is a great example of how to do that. I think you're right, sir. I think you're right. Favorite wrestlers. Okay, so here's what I want to ask you, Brett. I want your favorite wrestler of all time, and I want your favorite current wrestler. Uh, So if people don't know it, they can go look it up. So who's your favorite wrestler of all time and your favorite current wrestler? Favorite wrestler of all time is Mick Foley. Mick Foley. And all right. it, it all stemmed off of the, the, the cage match fall in 98. But it was after that and looking back that I went, you know, this guy's entertaining. He can be funny. He can be violent. Anything that they needed him to do, he could do it. I think and that he Mick still Foley, is today as the general manager. Yeah, I think that Mick Foley is great because he was so many different people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cactus Jack, Mankind. Yeah, you know these different yeah. characters. And I, I think that's what's kind of cool about a guy like Mick Foley is you get to see his progression as a, as a wrestler. So, favorite current wrestler? 
Favorite current wrestler? That one's a little trickier. You know way more than anybody else does. So, I, 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 who, I, so I'm going to narrow it down. Uh, Who's your there favorite? So, there's so many that I enjoy watching. Who's your favorite current WWE wrestler? Uh, all right. That'll narrow it down. Well, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to slide into NXT and I'm I'm going to say the Revival. The Revival, because and, and, and not revival. just because Dash and I are friends. <laughs> It's it's I, I I really enjoy the matches that they have. In fact, I usually send him a text afterwards, pointing out something that I caught, and he'll respond with, "I knew if anybody would, you would be the one to catch it." <laughs> I I think like uh, Dash and Wilder have that sort of like um, this old school look about them, and mm-hmm. not and not in an ironic way, like the vaude villains, but in like right. a, and like an honest to goodness. Uh, it's a throwback. Yeah, they're gonna, it's a throwback to an older style. That they're going to beat your ass in an alley sort of look to them. It's it's kind of a cool kind of a cool thing. So Travis, here's what I want to know from you. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? I know you don't watch current wrestling, so who's your favorite wrestler of all time? I have to break this into two categories. My favorite wrestling entertainer is Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. My favorite wrestler, Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake. All right, so my favorite my favorite wrestler of all time. Can I tell you a quick story about Jake the Snake yeah, that I heard me, in an me. interview? I heard that those snakes would die all the time. I heard he would get like wasted and he'd keep the, cause he had to keep the snake on him. Like yeah. he was in charge of that snake. And so he'd throw it in his trunk to go drink in like Minnesota and it'd freeze. So sometimes <laughs> when he was out in the ring, he'd actually have a dead snake and he'd like move it like a real snake because they didn't have <laughs> enough time to get him a, no, a new a snake, new snake, a new Damien, if you will. So <laughs> I found out like last year that there's a dead snake sometimes and he was just going through snakes left and right and he freaking hated that thing. <laughs> he hated having to wrangle the snake. That's hilarious. I think uh, my favorite all-time wrestler is going to be Ultimate Warrior. That's just a good because, one. That's a good one. Uh, you know what wrestling buddy I had? Remember wrestling buddies? Yep. I had Ultimate Warrior. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had Ultimate Warrior and Ted DiBiase. There was just something like uh, over the top, like there's something incredibly 90s about Ultimate Warrior. Like something late, that sort of late very 80s. 91. Yeah, yeah very that, 91. That <laughs> late 80s where, you know, the, the day glow colors, the fringe, the... The amount of steroids he had to oh, be dude, he was jacked. And he used to tighten those those uh, armbands so like, his biceps were about to pop. You know how easy he could done heroin with those things? <laughs> My favorite Ultimate Warrior moment is when The Undertaker buried him in the coffin uh, mm-hmm. one, like one like Saturday morning one. And they were trying to get him out for like 10 minutes. And they were just milking their – and Macho Man was commentating like – Get him out! Oh man, I'm not a big fan, but this this is too much for it. Get him out of there! He cost so me long? my career, but I don't want him to yeah, die. That's, that's exact. <laughs> wow, Brett knows that's like an exact line for this. Brett knows it. Brett knows it. Brett, Brett knows it. Uh, I think my favorite current wrestler, uh, and this is this is because I'm lame. My favorite current wrestler is uh, Sami Zayn. Is my favorite current wrestler. It's a good pick because good pick. because he comes out to ska music, and I love that, and because he can sell a hit. Like he's one of the best guys at selling that he's in pain or that there's no way he can like, how is he managing to come back? He's the everyman right now. He took Daniel Bryan's everyman spot and he makes you think like that dude, I don't even know why he's wrestling. Why is he up there? He shouldn't be there, but he's making it happen. Wait, who is it again? Uh, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn. And then a close second is uh, uh, Shinsei Nakamura (laughs) because he's so weird. (laughs) Fits right into wrestling. It you does, have to be weird. Does. You have to be bizarre. You have to do something to stand out. To stand out. And for him, it's wearing Michael Jackson leather pants and like coming out to what sounds like Final Fantasy music. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, Brett, we're going to thank you. And I'm going to have Josh uh, 
do the sign off because I want Brett. I have a favor to ask you once Josh is done uh, with uh, all the comic exposure uh, stuff because you're the best. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning the Comic Exposure Podcast. Thanks, Brett, for coming on the show and being our My pleasure, res- our wrestling buddy mm-hmm. for today's podcast. You can find us on www.comicexposure.com. Uh, all the podcasts, all the comic book summer, everything we got going on, you can find there. You can follow us on Twitter. Do that. Uh, rate us on iTunes uh, at Comic Exposure on Twitter. Search for us on iTunes. However you found us, give us a nice rating. Write a review. We love you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Okay. So now, I'll put you on the spot, Brett. I want... Okay. I, so it's Travis Ratz and Josh Buckley. Uh, we are Comic Exposure. How would you announce us coming out of the ring? Is there... Is there could you, can you give us a little taste of that, that sweet ring announcer voice announcing Travis Ratz and Josh Buckley, Comic Exposure, coming out? All right. I think I can do that. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Introducing your hosts, the team of Travis Rat and Josh Buckley. That is fantastic. That's awesome. Right? I love that. Oh, I think I think we. I, there's only one last thing left to say. Oh, we'll see you next trade. See you next trade, brother. brother. <laughs>